I don't ever regret any decision I made because I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. and we're making the best decisions that we can at the time with the, you know, the best information, the best tools that we have available to us and it all serves a purpose moving right. forward. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, what's up? This is Aaron LeBauer with the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. Today, my special guest is Matt Zanis. And Matt is a physical therapist. Uh, he's out in Phoenix, Arizona. He's the owner of Rooted Movement. And it's taken a pandemic for Matt and I to get back in touch. And uh, Matt and I have a lot of commonalities. We work together to help him get his business off the ground. We've both worked with the same mentor and Matt's doing some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. So Matt, thank you uh, for making time to come on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me, Aaron. You know, and I think the last time I saw you, I had really short hair and you had no hair on your face whatsoever. Right. <laughs> so now, now you've got a giant beard and I've got the floor look going on. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, times have definitely changed over the past, I think, maybe, what, five or six years now? Yeah. Yeah, at least. And yeah. when I, 20 years ago, 18 years ago, I had long curly hair down below my shoulders. So <laughs> It's coming back around. I'm just saying, this is, this is a process. It's still growing out. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Matt, I think part of like what I like to do is help people get to know who you are. And I think one of those things is I remember I was in Myrtle Beach when we were talking on the phone, but I had met you yes. at PPS or CSM through yeah. Bob, uh, Bob Duvall. Mutual mentor of ours Mutual out there mentor. in California, I think it was. Yep. Because I worked at his clinic uh, as a student, and that was one of the most transformational internships for me or rotations because that's where I saw 43 patients in one day, but also the first PT <laughs> who encouraged me to charge cash yes. and, and do it all the way, go low overhead. And so it was really um, kind of amazing. Did you do a, because I met him through you, did you do like a, clinical residency there or orthopedic specialist or something? Yeah, so interestingly enough, he was my second clinical rotation. So I went went to Duke for my doctorate. And uh, one of the reasons why I went there is because they afforded me the opportunity to literally go anywhere in the country that I wanted to for these rotations and landed with Dr. Duvall down there in Atlanta for my second one, actually coming from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where I ended up moving back to now. But yeah, he was a clinical mentor of mine for about four months. And then before I even graduated, I had started um, essentially auditing his orthopedic residency program. So I was kind of in, in that uh, inaugural class, so to speak, and then eventually ended up doing my fellowship training for him as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Oh, and I went to Duke undergrad. I don't think I realized. I, I think I know that. So we're both Dukies. That's great. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome. So uh, I, now I live here in North Carolina. And so anytime Duke wins or loses, I get the uh, opposite end of it somehow. But, you know, yeah. half my team here is Duke fans. Half of them are Carolina fans. So that's how it goes. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I went to the University of Pittsburgh for my undergrad. And when they joined the ACC, I'm like, what am I going to do now? Like, right. <laughs> they're playing each other. And it's, it's interesting. Like the alma mater of Pitt, I still I still root for them. Yeah. yeah, that's neat. Yeah, Bob had a, one of his students was the PT on the Duke team. And when I was there in my rotation, we went to see them uh, play Georgia Tech. So mm, yeah. that, was, that was fun. Yeah, I think I forget his name right now, but I worked with him a little bit when I was down there at Duke as well. He's with, he started up Duke's um, Division I sports residency program. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, shout out to 
the guy, I can't remember who got me tickets to the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. We'll okay, well, his name later. Yeah, well, what, um, it's, that's been, to me, that, for me, that's been 13 years mm-hmm. So since yeah. I was there. So tell me, like, okay, so you're, uh, you're clearly a physical therapist. I also know, I remember seeing you, I just had Anthony Lowe on the podcast, and, and there was some other way that we connected through this other Instagram thing, but I want to say that I saw this video of you deadlifting and how easier that got based on Anthony's cues in a women's pelvic health course. And I was like, holy cow, check that that out. That was very eye-opening for me as well. Like that was back on early, early on in my, in my physical therapy career. I think I've only been practicing about a couple of years at that point, but I ended up taking one of Ant's, I think it was his female athlete course Mm -hmm. he brought out here to, to Arizona. And yeah, that was one of those things where I really started to, to learn deeply about how the nervous system can impact our movement and our power potential for sure. But that, yeah, that YouTube video is still kind of circulating around there. I think it was four or five pounds on the bar. There was very, I think there was no warm up whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like there was a huge time differential between me like grinding it out in the beginning and then Ant going through some of his neurological kind of party tricks. And yeah. all of a sudden that thing just flew off the floor. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Did you, were you ever competitive as an athlete? Other than like maybe weightlifting, but yeah, it, interesting. So like my whole backstory began. I grew up in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, in a little backwoods town called Pottsville. It's actually the home of England beer. If you okay, but you guys still have it on the East Coast. It's yep. one of the things that I, I very much dislike about being out here in Arizona. Because the only shit being like this far west is in Mississippi. And actually, funny enough, when my brother moved out here last April, uh, his price to live with us for six months was three cases of England. So nice. He's like, how am I going to fit that in my car? I'm like, I don't know. You got to figure it out. That's the price you got to pay. So he ended up trucking a, a three cases of England gear out here for us. Um, I still have a case left, actually. Uh, but I grew up in a very predominant baseball family. Mm-hmm. So my dad was a lefty pitcher in college. Uncle was a catcher. My brother was a right-handed pitcher. My grandfather was actually drafted by the Pirates back in like the 60s. So baseball is kind of in the blood. It was in, in my genetics. So naturally, I thought I should be good at it. But problem was Aaron is like, I really wasn't. I sucked, man. I was terrible. The, the only thing I had going for me is I was a really hard worker. Yeah. So I just figured, you know, if I practice more, throw more, bat more, run more, I'd eventually get better. Except the only thing that happened was I kept getting injured. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every single year, like, uh, had shoulder issues. I, had, I was a catcher as well, so I had some, some knee issues. And every single year, I was going through physical therapy. And it was that standard of care PT insurance-based clinics that you typically see where I was getting everything from the ultrasound to the hot packs and the stim and all the different banded exercises. But I was still in pain when I moved and never, and never, anybody never really got to like the root cause of the issue. And it wasn't until I got into high school. Now, mind you, I came from the, the time frame when they used to think that weightlifting was bad mm-hmm. for baseball players because they throw off our, our throw mechanics and everything. But I found strength and conditioning in high school. And it's one of those like pivotal moments for me because it's where I realized, Hey, if I actually move well and then progressively overload these patterns with resistance training, mm-hmm. all of the pain and the injuries start to subside. The incidents kind of start to go down. And I was also in that moment where I realized that I was a much better uh, coach and an athlete and a much better provider than a player. So yeah. that's kind of when it, it like sparked the, sparked the, the fire in my ass, so to speak, to go to PT school and start to be able to, to coach and help others, you know, prevent from going through the issues that I had to go through. And that's what took me to Pitt is doing my athletic training degree, I actually worked for the Pittsburgh Pirates out there. And then I went down to Duke for a doctor, which took me out here to Arizona. And it's, it's ironic though, Aaron, because when I got out here, what did I start doing? 
I started working in those insurance-based clinics. And right. It was like this deja vu moment for me all over again. I'm like, now I'm that guy. Like I'm that guy <laughs> providing that care, seeing four people an hour. And I was like, there's no time to actually get to know anybody, no time to build connection, no time to actually like really understand somebody's movement. Mm-hmm. And I just got sick of it. I couldn't take it anymore. And that was about the same time where you serendipitously kind of jumped into my life. And uh, we met through Bob Duvall out there in, in California. And you were just getting your cash PT blueprint stuff started at the time. Yeah. You're like, hey, let's jump on a call. So like, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I had no background in this. I just knew I couldn't uh, stay in those clinics because like it wasn't the clinic, so to speak. It was just a system and I couldn't mm-hmm. be a part of it anymore. So you gave me the kick in the ass that I needed to on that call. I, I still didn't remember it just to like, hey, it doesn't matter how you're getting started. You're just going to get started now because like right. you got the brain power to do it. You got the resources to do it. No, never mind. You know, I was like $300,000 in debt from student loan payments and everything like <laughs> you got to be happy. You got to be fulfilling your purpose and serving uh, the values that you have in life. And so I thank you for that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember where it all began. Yeah. I remember that, that conversation. Like, yeah. That was crazy. You were like, you told me how much you, in de- you were in debt and I was like, Holy cow. Like that was oh, a yeah. lot. Yeah. That, Cause that, at that point that was what, that was PT. So, so to answer your question, that was kind of a long winded answer. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. I played competitive baseball for a very long time, <laughs> wrestler and football player, and then got into uh, some bodybuilding. I had a very short modeling career as well. So I had that whole like aesthetic, mm-hmm. you want to call that competitiveness as well. And then um, yeah, I found CrossFit for a little bit too and competed uh, for a little bit in that. But you know what? It was it was super interesting because I was $300,000 in debt and then I'd spent all this money on a residency program and a fellowship program as well. So I was like continuously dumping it in and I wasn't really seeing that return mm-hmm. it's because I wasn't really working for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why do you think, looking back on that, would you do it different? Or why do you think that you did that? Like that you, that you, that you decided, okay, I'm going to put the money into the residency and fellowship. And I don't know, what's the, what's the, I guess, what is the disconnect between, okay, I'm going to put a bunch of money in there. But like you said, I didn't get it back until I was working for myself. You know, you know, you know what? Like, I, I don't ever regret any decision I made because I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. and we're making the best decisions that we can at the time with the, you know, the best information, the best tools that we have available to us, and it all serves a purpose moving right. forward. So yeah, I, I spent a lot of money doing that, but it, it taught me a lot of uh, you know clinical reasoning skills and how to use my brain, and then be able to find the right opportune moment to use a lot of these hands-on skills, but. I guess like it gave me the confidence. Yeah. That's, that's what's kind of resonating with me right now. It's kind of dropping in is it gave me the confidence to be able to you know, not only talk to talk, but walk the walk and mm-hmm. be able to help somebody move through their problems. Even if I wasn't necessarily a hundred percent, you know, confident within myself, I had the confidence to help somebody else. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you, did you get to a point where, um, where you've paid back most of your loans? Yeah, so I've only been paying them back now since I think after that grace period, it was like end of 2014, mm-hmm. beginning of 2015. So I'm about three quarters of the way done okay. already. So I've only got a tiny little bit left. And uh, <laughs> with this whole pandemic of the coronavirus, they've actually stopped the interest accruement yeah. uh, on it too. So that, that'll definitely help. But yeah. it's one of those things like I think I think money is an interesting, interesting topic as well because 
Like we, we put so much stress around it mm-hmm. and like I view money as more of like an energetic flow yep. in a way. And like, yeah, I, I mean, this is kind of following along the same lines of like dumping money into these programs is like, I saw it as more of like an investment and these mm-hmm. were like going to be energetic experiences for me. And I was going to see the return to energetic flow. And it's, it's interesting what you're seeing right now because people are falling into a lot of that like scarcity mindset. Right. And we're trying to like save and pull in and hone in, but like energy flows through stability. Mm-hmm. Right. So this money is going to flow towards stability. If you're not stable in yourself and you're, you're in this scarcity victim mentality, it's never going to flow to you. So that's kind of been like my mantra and I'm moving forward is like, yes, I may be spending money on certain things, but I know it's going to be coming back right in the future. Right. No, that's a great way to put it. I, have you found that that's happened in other ways, whether it's time or money, like the more you put into like invest in yourself or your patients that it comes back around in other ways? Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Even, even with just for like relationships, because like, um, it's all energy, right? So money is only one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. There's also the energy and the connections that you build with people. Like you and I, we had a soul contract back then in 2016 with right. what we were we were doing now, helping me get into this cash-based business model. Here we are coming back around almost six years later, having a podcast together. Right. Well, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, you may not see an initial return on your investment with going out there and traveling to places to learn from people and everything, but it's one of those things where it will come back around at some point. And it's where you kind of like trust in the process. Right. So it sounds like I want to go back to a little bit of that, but when you said you chose Duke, it was to allow you to be able to go where you wanted to go. Was that because you had identified places where you knew if I'm going to go somewhere, spend the money, I'm going to get the most out of it. I'm going to go to the best. Was that kind of the idea? Yeah, because for a lot of the same lines, like I applied to a bunch of different schools. Like you got in, I got into USC out in California, but at that time it was like straight across the country. I didn't really want to move out there. And then I was going to stay at the University of Pittsburgh for my PT degree, but it would have been it would have been within the same exact building of health sciences that my uh, undergraduate degree in athletic training was. And mm-hmm. it was like I need a different perspective. Like I can't be stuck in the same roof learning from the same people. I want to be able to get like a, a well-rounded awareness of what's out there and be able to work with different schools of thought. And like, ironically enough too, Duke had a very good manual therapy program, right. which we can dive deep into that whole scenario kind of moving forward with my perspective and philosophy on treatment now. Uh, but it afforded me the opportunity. I didn't know where I was going to go, Aaron. Like I had yeah. no idea. Like um, by nature, I'm, I'm a kind of like a risk taker and that's more so I think the entrepreneurial mindset that I have is that I'm willing to take the risks necessary. And like, I just wanted to, to get out into various corners of the country to see what I can uncover. And that's what it allowed me to do. I went from Phoenix, Arizona, down to Atlanta. Like, look, look at where that took me. Right, right. And those connections down there out in Arizona and then uh, down here in, in Atlanta. And then finally went back up to Pittsburgh and worked in the VA to do my hospital setting, so right. my inpatient setting. Uh, but with each experience, I learned something new and was able to take away these different perspectives and turn them into my own philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And did you, is that how, did Bob get you hooked up with the shooting team? Is that what, did you have experience uh, doing that kind of stuff? Yeah. So that was, whew, okay. That was probably like 2017 into 18. Uh, he gave me a call. I, I still remember it. Like it was over Christmas. Right. And he, he gave me a call. I was like, do you want an opportunity working with some Olympic athletes? I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, let's do this. Like, athletes are kind of my jam. At that point, like, he didn't tell me exactly who they were, being yeah. uh, the shooting team. But I, I tell you what, like, I've never 
worked with another group of great men and women. Like it's interesting because I grew up in Pennsylvania, like backwoods, remember? So mm -hmm. I was a, an actual competitive archery shooter and shot a lot of trap and skeet and messed around with rifles and pistols with hunting and everything. So it kind of fell within, I guess, my, my ethos, so right. to speak. And I kind of understood the movement patterns and what their bodies were going through. So it was almost like a very natural fit for me. Yeah. And the first time I went to work with them was actually down here in Tucson, Arizona for a selection match. And, and after that, I was, I was absolutely hooked because they were a very underserved population. They didn't, amongst the Olympic athletes, people didn't view them as actual athletes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was super fascinating to me. So I'm like, how, these guys are like, not to mention the hand-eye coordination that you need, but like there's movement occurring, like they're on their feet. It's directing a lot of the, the kinetic energy that's going up the chain into the gun to be able to have that type of reaction time. And it was one of those things where it's like, if I can make changes in this group, I can make changes in any group. Right. So like right. one of those like epiphany moments for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I got a call from Bob uh, like a, like right after I graduated, he's like, Aaron, can you go to Singapore? And I was like, <laughs> I, my baby's due in oh, two weeks. I was like, I can't. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I was like, it's oh, yeah. not gonna happen. It's too bad. I was like, I missed the opportunity, but I had a baby on the way. But yeah, um, yeah it's but interesting. So we were supposed to leave for Tokyo this past Sunday. Oh wow, Easter Sunday. Yeah, and the whole test event obviously got canceled, and everything's been pushed back. Yeah, uh, but we're we're making do. Yeah, what we can just taking it as an opportunity to to do some more training. Get yeah. the wrinkles kind of ironed, all ironed out. That's great. Well, what um. I want to ask you, how are you growing as a person and investing in yourself as a business owner mm -hmm. these days with mm -hmm. the philosophy you just shared? Yeah. So like, I'm always uh, a continued education guy. Like I think the, the minute that we feel like we know it all, we're kind of lost. And, and that's the day that I would, I would hang everything up. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's going out there and continually seeking new information and being able to assimilate it. And for me right now, like, I got away from doing a lot of continuing education within the physical therapy realm mm -hmm. and kind of jumped into these different islands of strength conditioning and then more recently actually into psychology and, and spirituality and communication as well because these are the other facets I think of our careers as, and actually in our profession that are so vital for us to being able to be effective as a provider. Right. Right. That's awesome. And so how is that affecting you with your patients? Is it changing how you're treating or is it mm. just in more informing it? And so ex exactly. Yeah. So it's essentially, it's lays the foundation for how I treat. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where I've actually jumped more into the educational realm these days mm -hmm. and I'm still seeing clients, but it's more on a concierge, uh, type of a basis as well, because I'm finding a lot of like my, my greater purpose in life is to be able to make a greater impact in this world. And the way that we do that is being able to impact those that are providing the care as well. Right. So I actually work with a group called Power Athlete. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys, but they're out of, um, they were in California, but now they're out of Austin, Texas. And I'm working with another PT friend of mine, Nicholas Kyle, out of West Virginia. And together we developed this provider course where we are assimilating philosophies of strength conditioning and rehabilitation and movements together. And Aaron, over the past two years, I've essentially written a book. Wow. Um, I've got nine different modules uh, with like 30 to 50 pages worth of information a piece to them. And we've got this whole, uh, this whole process, this process of movement discovery planned out where it's going to be a two day in-person weekend course. And also that nine module full length online course as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
So when are you releasing it? <laughs> that, that is in the process right now. So uh, kind of with all this uh, lack of travel abilities right. these days, we we're supposed yeah. to go out to Austin in March to film it. Obviously okay. that kind of uh, pushed things back, got shut down a little bit, but it's in the works. We're actually kind of pivoting right now, Aaron, yeah. and working on ways to be able to get out some some free webinars to start to, to build our credibility and our ethos and then start to push the actual project uh, later on once everything is kind of, you know, recovered a little bit. More. Yeah. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. They're going to be okay. kind of released here in the next few weeks, actually. Oh, well, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, get it to me as soon as you can, because we'll put it up on the sure. show notes page if, if it's out by the, before we get the episode out. And if you're listening to this later, we'll have it on there. So, yeah. so Matt, tell me, you had mentioned before, a little bit about your treatment philosophy. How is that? Mm-hmm. What do you do now? Like, are you seeing patients in person? Are you doing stuff on video, phone calls? And how's that shifted over the last few years? Yeah, well, right now, I'm seeing a lot more <laughs> remote consultations, but that actually uh, dovetails nicely because recently I've had, I mean, dozens of people reach out and ask how to actually assess somebody remotely online, virtually mm-hmm. through like this, this Zoom call that we're having now, because it's like you get a lot of PTs who are like, I don't know what to do with my hands now. Like Ricky Bobby from, Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. It's like, don't know what to do with my hands. Cause, <laughs> uh, and that's kind of goes back to the irony of like into the whole manual therapy sector. Uh, I thought that I could fix everybody. Right. I mean, I think we all come out of school like that. And it's like going through these phases of, we have these great intentions of, of helping and we feel like we can't fix everybody, but that's, that's in, when you come down and look at the reality of it, that's not so much the case, right? So the human body is remarkable in its ability to adapt. We just have to kind of get out of its way sometime and mm-hmm. actually be the doctor that we're supposed to be because doctor means educator. It's our guide. We're being guides. We're giving the, the body the right stimulus and empowering that individual in front of us to be able to take responsibility uh, for their own rehabilitation. And that was kind of another pivotal moment for me. And I, I realized that I was like, I actually learned this from Matt Lowe, actually, yeah. Aaron, where he challenged me to, with every patient encounter, to try and help them without putting my hands on them. Uh-huh. Wow. And, and now it's like, I hardly ever even touch anybody unless we need to for some type of symptom modulation. But like having that as part of your toolkit, like truly understanding what you're visualizing, what you're seeing when somebody moving, when somebody's moving is vital, right? Mm-hmm. That's, we are supposed to be the masters of movement as the PT profession. Like I always come back to that, uh, Peter Parker, I'm not like a big Marvel guy. So like with great power becomes great responsibility. Right. Right. And, uh, I will kind of look at it from the other end. Like if you reverse that type of a saying, it's with great power comes great responsibility, but also with great responsibility comes great power. Mm-hmm. And that's where we as coaches and providers, I think we have that kind of instilled within us. We have to be able to harness that power and craft it and then utilize it in the right way because there's so much power in movement here, right? Movement of energy, not just in our body, but also our effectiveness um, and how we communicate with somebody as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great, um, a very powerful uh, statement about how, what is it? We have responsibility for our patients. A lot of times I think like, to me, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't have responsibility for you because you've been to see five people and you really still believe what they, what they, what they say. And like, <laughs> like, I'm like, it's like I'm chopping, trying to chop wood and uh, I've got like a concrete wall to chop and right. nothing's happening. And it's like, how do I have any power responsibility? But 
clearly it's not the case that it, it feels yeah. that way sometimes right and there's one thing that, I, that we don't have the power to do and that's to judge them for that right, right. because that's gonna that's gonna build up the wall even more believe me like i've made that mistake where it's like i know better and like i know i know better but like you can't tell somebody that every decision that they made in the past is wrong right right it's gonna just build up the wall and become defensive versus like hey acknowledging what they've been through and like using that as a way to reframe it mm-hmm. and then build use that as a way to build trust and rapport with them and like hey you've been down this path you've tried this we've gotten some great takeaways from this and then the biggest key Aaron I swear to God this has been the biggest game changer for me and I actually learned this from uh, my partner Kendall yeah because she can she can read people and communicate better people people than I ever could and that anybody better than anybody I know. And it's actually to ask for permission. Mm-hmm. So not only like, do I have permission to like enter your energy field right now, but do I have permission to provide you some new education on right. some stuff that you've been through? Do I have permission to show you a different way? Right. Is it and okay it, if we discuss maybe another possibility? Yes, Something like exactly. That, right. Because then now they, you put the ball in their court and they have the opportunity to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, now it's their decision again. It's not you trying to lecture them or trying to teach them something they're not right. ready for. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, a, you know what, I think a lot of, I think a lot of like providers and coaches are, you see this shifting right now. I think we're in a very large time of energetic liberation, so to speak. Like providers are kind of feeling stuck in all these old ways that we used to do things. It's all like past thoughts and like conditioning and, and stuff like that. Like the stuff that we always done because we just did it that way. Right. Right. And the way we begin to change our practice and our success with our clients is through this, this foundational level of communication. So when you ask me like how my philosophy has changed, it's I've really, really doubled down on my ability uh, to communicate with somebody. It's because this is where we kind of begin to make that foundational level of change in, in how rehabilitation and strength conditioning mm-hmm. is delivered. And this is the essence of coaching. And it's, it's amazing. Like, and this is where I feel like the two kind of fields um, kind of butt heads with each other. Like to me, a coach is anybody that's trying to move, so help somebody move towards a goal. Yeah. And coaches do that. Coaches watch movement. And as physical therapists, we are also helping somebody move through a goal and move through movement as well. So like as a society, we're kind of, we're starving for this human connection despite mm-hmm. being so connected. There's that like dichotomy there as well. And in order to build that connection with the person in front of us, I look at it as like building a container, right? So we need to be able to create this container for change. And that's where all the physical, emotional, and psychological uh, transformation occurs. Yeah. But in order to do so, we need to build trust. Right. And, right. Because I mean, how many times have you told somebody to do something and they never actually adhere to it? Right. right. That oh. compliance factor. Well, they never fucking believed you. Right. They didn't trust you. Like you may have given them the best education, the best information, the best tools to be able to help themselves move better and get out of pain. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't trust you to begin with, they're never going to fall through with it. Yeah. They don't buy in. They don't believe that, they don't believe that what I'm saying exactly. is possible. Right? Exactly. Yep. So I want to ask you, like, is this why, why it's easy and it doesn't seem like it's been that difficult for you to coach people via video or even do like physical therapy, you know, via video. Cause I know you have a very deep um, manual therapy background based mm-hmm. on our, mm-hmm. our, our similar training, you know, is, is it that philosophy of asking questions and understanding people and understanding movement that's helped, or is there something else that's helped you be able to kind of say, Hey, look, I don't have to touch you if I don't need to. And if I do like, 
either I'll do it or I'll help, help you find a way to do it yourself. Yeah, like that, that's always an option. Like we, we always have the ability to utilize hands-on skills, but yeah, understanding movement, I think uh, understanding biomechanics and how the nervous system work together. So this mm-hmm. idea of biomechanics and the neural input stuff working together, that's how we uh, start to be more effective as coaches and as providers. Like for me, you know what? <sighs> the, the movement stuff, it's kind of, you dive down this path of, I, I think we've fallen into a trap of trying to use exercises movement. I don't think that they're the same. And I kind of, I looked at the idea of, this is by Katie Bowman, who wrote the book, uh, Move Your DNA. And she kind of explains the difference of this, but I feel like we've kind of caught on with the whole CrossFit craze and like everybody's exercising now. And now that should just become like another modality. Right. That we've, we've lost the ability to actually kind of see how the body moves actually how to understand it at a deeper level because when it, I've been using ant low mm-hmm. statements here all morning, but what it comes down to is just do something differently, right? Like he's, he's been reporting that for years now, but I think what happens is people fall into these ruts right. of movement and they just don't understand how to get out of them. Right. And that's our job as the provider is to be able to kind of, help untangle that web, so to speak, and then be able to encourage them to explore and discover a new movement. How do you, okay, so the typical like gym owner, CrossFit coach, Mm -hmm. they've been let down by PTs in the past. So they help get people better by doing mobility work and whatever they're doing, right? They're scaling Mm -hmm. and, but they're teaching exercise. You, You and I come along and we're looking at movement, quality of movement, does the quality of movement always, is it always bad or not? No, but is there a different way to do it to help people get out of pain? We have a different perspective, right? So would, when you, are you kind of there with me? Like gym owners and CrossFit coaches, uh, most coaches, they're teaching exercise and different ways to do exercise. And we're looking at movement. And if there's a problem, like let's, can we alter the movement, right? Exactly. Is that what you're saying? It's more so, so to a sense of degree because there is no, there really is no bad movement area. Right. Like you know that. Yeah. It's just a matter of like, are we ready for it? Because we just kind of have to meet them where they're at. Maybe they're not ready to throw a barbell overhead. Mm-hmm. We can still do different movement patterns that replicate that in a way to progress them into it. Right. Because whether you're rehabilitating injury or trying to move through or enhance performance skills for these Olympians, like it's all along that same continuum. We're all progressing. We're just starting at the points right you know i started my practice at a two and literally <laughs> i shit you not i had a 100 square foot facility that was in like an open look a loft above the, i had this giant 10 foot window to overlook and see what everybody was doing and i kid you not i would have somebody come up to see me we would go through everything yes and be able to teach them new movement give them some direction and they would literally go walk down the stairs into the gym and do the exact opposite of what I told them. And why? Because it's the culture, right? Right. They want to be able to do what their friends are doing. And it's kind of when I when I saw that happening over and over and over again, I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I gotta got get out and find my own space mm-hmm. and be able to now go so more so from the education side of things and learn how to educate people better. Right. Obviously that wasn't clicking. Right. So what is the way that you communicate that to your athletes or to the other coaches, like how you look at it in a different way without them getting threatened that we're going to take their business away or do what they're doing or them feeling like, well, I already do that. You know, how do you communicate that to people? Are we talking about the coaches or like some of the rehab providers? In the yeah. Um, 
Well, I would say probably to the coaches or your athletes, like people that you're mm-hmm. trying to like, okay, how do I develop a business relationship or a therapeutic alliance mm-hmm. with when they don't really understand what I'm doing? Like, how are you as, as, as Matt, the therapist or business owner communicating that to people? Yeah, I, I think we're, we're, what it comes down to is that we're all on the same page, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're both trying to be there for the benefit of our clients, whether it be them coming to me for, for a pain or an injury related issue, or just trying to you know, improve their physical fitness and capacity because of being in a, in a gym. And, and then what it comes down to, I think, is the fact that like the coaches and the people that are participating in these group classes, they're essentially moving the heart more than they're moving the body. Like we know that there are some really great uh, physiological benefits and metabolic benefits for exercise, but we're not really moving very well from a biological perspective. So what I do is I help see, I help the, the coaches see that as more of a compliment. Yeah. Right. So like we're kind of, we're working together from the, uh, the same aspect of things and like, Hey, here, let me come in and help educate your coaches now. Because like I, like I told you, I work with this group called Power Athlete, and we have a bunch of strength and conditioning coaches within our network. And that's one of my main objectives is to help them kind of see what they're seeing with movement to better help their clients. Like, hey, if, you, if you're having pain with this or this doesn't feel right, here are other options and this is why this is occurring this way. Yeah. Right. So it's more of a collaborative uh, effort than more of a competitive effort. Right. Right. Would you agree that no matter what you do, you're going to get pushback from people when you reach out? Can't, dude, can't please everybody. Like this, this has been my mantra now from moving from 2019 into 2020 was to be unapologetically authentic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cause, yeah. Cause I, I mean, dude, I, I've done so much deep work on myself over the past like uh, five years. Like I was a people pleaser. Like I wanted to make everybody like me. And I learned from a mentor of mine a long time ago that you can't please everybody. Like you can't want it more than your client either. Right. 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 So it's like, you get that kind of in in mind and like, and that's, and Aaron, like I'm going to kind of dive down into, into this segment as well, because like when you met me, I was in a relationship that looked good on paper. Mm -hmm. Right. But I didn't have, the depth of connection or partnership that I was like truly seeking. This is kind of like the starting point of my evolution. I call this from boyhood to manhood. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. when you met me, I was kind of a boy. And now I've kind of transitioned more into this man, like this evolution side of things. So just like choosing to continue to grow with and involve with like my career moving forward, I had the same desire for my personal life too. Right. So what happened was, is, is my marriage wasn't in alignment with my greater purpose. And that kind of served as a mirror for what I was truly seeking. And it, it really, it led to the dissolution of that marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our lives, we go through, I think, I feel like we go through these different seasons of change and it's, it's up to us to be able to give an honest reflection, like look inwards, like what's really going on truly inside of how we're feeling and like how we're expected we feel and how aligned with our partner and our purpose we are. So it's our choice to actually take actions that align with that. Like once again, going back to that like victim warrior mentality, you can't fall victim to the circumstances that are happening to you right now. Kind of have to have that warrior mindset and be able to take action. And I, like I said, I've done a lot of this, you know, deep personal reflection and assessment of who I am as a man mm-hmm. and how I show up in the world and the kind of partner I want to have by my side. And my purpose and my impact, I intend to have this more of like a a paramount being a paramount flow in my life, like to be able to get into that flow state. I want to have someone who is equally as driven as me with her purpose as well. Right. 
That's awesome. That's powerful. So Matt, for any of the um, other men out there listening to this, what were, what are some of the resources that uh, mm-hmm. you found most helpful to get there? Yeah. So actually the, 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 the first couple books that I started reading were by an author named David Dita. So I think it's D E I D A. And the very first book that I started reading was called the way of the superior man. Yep. That is probably the most profound book that I got into. And it, it kind of teaches like how, men and women interact and like our roles and responsibility as the masculine within that within that relationship because Mm -hmm. i think people have this dichotomous view of male and female like and masculine and feminine we think that a man has to be masculine Mm -hmm. and a female has to be feminine but in reality we have these different poles like we both have masculine and feminine energy within us and it just comes down to which one are you exuding the most of right because you can be a man and have a very feminine attitude. We can also be a female and have a very masculine air about you as well. And what it comes down to is how well are those different poles working within the relationship? Because if you have a very masculine male and a very masculine female, those are going to depolarize. They're going to make magnets repel each other. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what ended up happening in, in my previous relationship. I was a, a very masculine male trying to take action and, and do all, make decisions and do all the things I needed to do. But then she also... and whether I drove her into that or not, she went into her masculine as well. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of depolarized the relationship, both from like a natural relationship standpoint, and from a sexual standpoint as well. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. How is that? Did making that change in yourself affect your business or it just affect your life in general? How, mm-hmm. you know, how did that kind of fall out into the rest of you? Yeah. Cause it, it was, it was one of those things where I was now finally, Truly, Aaron, like truly living by my values that I set forth. Nobody else's, right? Yeah. So what, what happens when you start making decisions based on what your greater purpose is in life and the values that help support that, mm-hmm. now we see everything starting to align, right? It's amazing because like, where, where your focus goes, the energy flows. And now at this point, like I had my, I had my own purpose on the yeah. same path. Like I had all my decisions lining up with that purpose. And now I had somebody next to me who was actually supporting me in that purpose. And like the amount of fucking energy that gets put into that is immense. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Abundance starts flowing after that because now everything starts falling into, into place. Right. right. I can imagine that you get energy that's being blocked. It's not flowing or negative energy mm-hmm. coming through. It's not only staying in your relationships, it's affecting you in other, all aspects of your oh, life. Oh yeah. People, like, I mean, you know, like working with, working with people every day, we intuitively pick up on this stuff, on this mm-hmm. energy. And I actually worked with an Eastern medicine doc uh, who came to me with as a patient. And he was like, dude, you're holding on to a lot. Yeah. Because, you know, like, whether, whether we put our hands on somebody or not, we are taking in their energy that we encounter. Like, and what are we doing to cleanse that? Mm-hmm. He's like, you need to like figure out something, whether it be through a breathing exercise or meditation or something as easy as like taking a shower. Uh-huh. as a way to help kind of cleanse the energy. Uh, but like we've had, to, my partner and I had to figure out how to do that here in this whole yeah. quarantine status as well. It's like, cause you're, you're taking all this negative energy in when you're going outside to the grocery store. Like it's bad out there in some places. And it's like, what do you do with all that? Right. You're going to let that harbor within you and let that now affect the way that you make decisions with everybody else and with mm-hmm. everything else that you're doing in life, or are you going to do something about it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I learned in massage therapy school 22 years ago that never came up in PT school. And I did 10 months of massage and we did that. That was like week number one, how to, 
how to make sure you don't take on other people's energy and to protect your own energy. We never touched on it in three years of PT school, yet I'm seeing sicker and sicker people as a PT yeah. than as a massage therapist. Yeah, uh, why, don't, why do you think that is? Why don't we get that at PT school? You know, I think that, I think there's part of it's like the educational, okay, we've got to you know, teach you to the board exam, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not a question, on, but there's nursing questions on the board exam. And, <laughs> you know, not, not like actual, you know, like uh, how do we treat patients questions and interact with people. And then I also think that PTs as being, it's almost like there's, there's just a little bit more of a, hey, we need to, we, we're a little bit more legitimate or we're a little bit more, you know, up on the level. We can't get into this, you know, mm-hmm. esoteric, you know, I don't know, information, yet it's one of the hardest things that all the PTs and residents that I've had come through have had to deal with. They're treating, all of a sudden, they're treating 25 people out of school or more per week, and they're all sick. They all have negative energy, and the PTs mm-hmm. are getting burnt out quickly. You know? I, I, think, I think it's a, a huge um, component of that burnout that we're seeing. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's the volume of things and the, the amount of physical energy that you're expending, but from a spiritual and psychological standpoint, emotional standpoint as well, that's a lot of energy moving right. through you. And, and I, I hear what you're saying. I really do because we call it like the witchy woo-woo feeling. Like mm-hmm. people don't really want to go down that witchy woo-woo path because it doesn't right. make sense. But the only reason why we don't go down that, I think, is because we kind of fear it and we don't understand it. Right, right. It's just like, um, like I kind of give this analogy of like the two different sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Like from the whole medical perspective side of things like post-surgical and biomechanics and physiology, anatomy, like that's only one side of the coin. Right. Versus the movement side of things and the communication and the energy side of things. I think that's a whole other side of the coin. And we can be more effective when we understand both and we implement both sides. Right. Right. Well, I've definitely seen patients and had mentors who basically it's, it's if we focus only on the mechanical and what we see on the x-ray and what we see with the thing, we're only going to get so far. We actually have a person in front of us. And this is part of the whole treating pain as well. It's there's so many other things going on behind beyond just what we see and can test. And if you can, if you don't address any of the other things that are going on with this person, we're going to have a hard time addressing the problem that's sitting in front of us, which isn't the knee or the meniscal tear. It's the person can't do what they want to do. And we have to understand a whole lot more about them. It it, it provides a whole new meaning to that biopsychosocial model, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's deeper than what most people are talking about when they talk about biopsychosocial. You so, know, so much. And, you know, I think it's funny because I learned a lot more of that without having the words to it in massage therapy training than I did in <laughs> eight years of treating patients doing massage than I did uh, NPT. I mean, I've had people come to me and say, Aaron, you know, Dr. Lauer, are you doing Reiki? I'm like, I guess so. <laughs> you know, I've been trained. Sure. I, I did a Reiki training and they're like, are you doing something? I can feel the energy flowing from your hands. I'm like, yeah. I know, mm-hmm. like it's there, but that wasn't ever a conversation in a PT con ed course or mm-hmm. training that I ever did was what is the energy coming from my hands? How do I take it? How do I give it? How do I receive it? And what the hell do I do with it when I have too much of it? Exactly. Right. And it's like going down the same path. Like you asked me about some of the other um, ways I was continuing my learning and I kid you not, like I was, I was diving deep into astrology. Mm-hmm. as well so like i learned about you know your sun your moon your rising signs and i'm a taurus taurus capricorn uh-huh Dude, i'm all fucking earth energy like yeah super super grounded and that comes through like when i put my hands on somebody they're always like super warm and mm-hmm. people feel this sense of calm come over them oh that's awesome right? <laughs> but, then, but isn't that cool though but like you don't 
you, you kind of have this intuition about it. Like you right. know that you're having an effect. You don't know where it's coming from. And now you just you kind of, you, you give some um, evidence to it. Right. So to speak, and some support to it as well. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had a lot of, you know, a lot of experience with that. And it, it even became a joke where I just, I introduced myself as like, Hey, I'm Aaron. I'm a Sagittarius. Well, it's because all, all that happened when I was working in uh, this massage and yoga studio was on break. It's like someone's, you know, oh, Mercury's in retrograde, something else, and here, here, Aaron, here's the, here's this natural salve and all these things, and it was just like, it. And the funny part is that was in San Francisco, and I moved to Green, back to Greensboro, and <laughs> everyone's assuming it's like, are you guys gonna? When we had our baby, are you guys gonna have your baby in the, you know, like at home? And we're like, nope, having the baby in the hospital. But it was just like there are different layers of sure. people's willingness, and I almost to explore, and I think. These and it, it to me, my experience it goes the further west or the further away from the east coast cities you are. Sometimes it's mm-hmm, like the people mm-hmm. that have been living out, like you said, in, in the country in the backwoods are more open to a lot of feeling different things other than what's expected of them in a treatment session. Do you do you see that at all? Yeah, I, I you know what I'm like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, there's not really words for it, but do you understand? Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, out here in Arizona, we have a pretty big type of yoga community and yeah. like people are super active, but yeah, I have found that people are way more open to hearing about the other side of things because they're feeling it, Aaron. They, they're feeling, they just don't understand where it's coming from. Right. Right. And if you provide some context behind it, all of a sudden now you give them reassurance. And that's why like the first, I see people for 90 minutes to two hours yeah. at a time. And like the first 45 minutes to an hour is all spent talking. Mm-hmm. and learning to, to get to know them and be able to kind of see what makes them tick and how they make decisions and what they believe in. Because then we, now we use that as information to help connect with them yeah. and to help build that, that plan of care afterwards. That's awesome. But would you agree there's probably never going to be a research study that's no. approved <laughs> in the, by, the, by the medical board that's going to approve all this? You can't, you can't prove it. Right. Like, I don't know how else you can prove it, but that's where you go back to the other sides of the, the, the coin then, right? Because you have the whole research evidence side of things that you can actually create some evidence for and prove some type of a construct. Mm-hmm. But there's this other side of things that where we know it exists. So the best analogy I give this uh, to people is like picture a magnet, okay? Put a sheet of paper, white piece of paper on top of that magnet and then sprinkle some iron fillings on top of it. When you move that magnet below it, the iron fillings are moving. You can't see the magnet, but you know there's a force there. You know there's an energy there. And something is happening. You can fucking see it. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually see where it's coming from. And that's where um, I think this, this whole other you know, side of the coin lies. It's yeah. like we know it's there. We know we have evidence for it. We can visualize it. We anecdotally can see it. But we just kind of have to, to believe, so to speak. Right, right. You know there's something to it. That was one of the first – there was a – I can't remember what the paper was. I'm sure it's 15 years old. But it was – it was a paper, it wasn't a research study, but it was a paper, an opinion, and based on why manual therapy techniques, there really no manual therapy techniques could ever be evidence-based because there's too much happening between mm-hmm. the patient mm-hmm. and the provider, and there's no way to control for the personal interaction, the energy exchange, the different, you know, the just different therapists. It's, you mm-hmm. can't actually do that, and I don't know, I think it's it's interesting because some days that stuff turns me off, and some days I'm like, yeah, of course, like we got to have some evidence and then, but we can't stick 
too hard to one side either. There's a there's a back and forth in order. Got to gotta find balance. Just like the body's always trying to, and brain's always trying to find balance. We need to find balance with our practice yeah. as well. And I think like, and it's interesting because, you know, being the type of Taurus, Taurus, Capricorn that I am with all this grounding energy, like I could have been the worst person when it comes to manual therapy techniques out there, but I had that that natural grounding feeling, that calmness that mm-hmm. is actually effective for that person's nervous system. Yeah. Like call it placebo, call it whatever you want, it was still effective. And I think it comes down to understanding the difference between intention and impact. Right. Like, right. do you actually, you may be intending something, but your impact is totally different. Mm-hmm. Right? You understand how it's actually, how that person is actually taken in and what is their understanding of it is. And that's from not only the stuff that we do from a male therapy perspective, but also with our um, exercise prescription right. Right? and the words that we choose to use. Right, right. And words are powerful. And that's one of those things that I, I really got out of Anthony Lowe's podcast. If you're listening to this, you got to go back and listen to his. But mm-hmm. it was like asking the right questions. And yes, it is always. It's the word, words are so powerful. They're more powerful than a lot of times than my touch because I can use a word that, and I can touch someone the same way, but the word is, has a negative meaning versus the positive meaning. I'll just send you a, a, send you a cool video that we have. Um, when Ant and I were out in Austin presenting at the, the Power Athlete Symposium, yeah. I have a video of him actually demonstrating that exact concept with my partner, Kendall. And she, he has her holding her arm out in front of her, like telling her how strong and robust she is and how right. powerful she is. And she's holding strong and all of a sudden tells her how weak and feeble she is and all of a sudden that arm just drops mm-hmm. yeah right, so the, the words have a, a very very uh, magical input as well right and huge impact do you use visualization either in your fitness or with your patients yeah yeah and i think that comes down to from the coaching side of things when i'm working with somebody it's how we cue them mm-hmm. right so it's do we have a, there's a difference between an internal cue and an external cue yeah. Like when we feel like when we give somebody an internal cue of like, you know, contract your biceps harder or squeeze, squeeze your glutes, like those types of things, the brain has to visualize like internally, but what if they don't understand what that means? Right. So then we get all this like paralysis by analysis and we know that the way the human body works, it doesn't work in isolation. It works in patterns versus this external cue of like reach for that or try and drive your heel to the ceiling. Like right. those types of things are task oriented. And we usually see a lot more success with them because the, the, the brain has a better visualization of a task that needs to be accomplished versus trying to go inwards. Right, right. One of the most powerful, um, I want to get this right, powerful uh, coaching strategies I learned when I did a yoga teacher training a few years ago was how to direct movement when you're, you're not on someone. It was action. It was like tell them like the action or the movement we're going to do. So like downward dog. A lot of people already know what it is. Downward dog or jump. Okay jump and then which body part and then in the direction. So action, body part, where? So you don't say like, it was like, it's like, so it was like downward dog. Okay. Step back towards the, towards the wall behind you, you know, step back towards the pink wall or turn your body towards the water fountain and people it's the order in which we say it and give those coaching cues versus contract your shoulder blade and do this very specific you know, thing with your body that no one can visualize. It was like giving someone these broad strokes of action in order um, at which they could do it and visualize it and using a identifier like you or your, your hand rather than Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. hand or the body part. And that was like, wow, that's, 
it was one of those things that informed my physical therapy practice incredibly well. And then anytime I go to another class and they're like, lift the, you know, like, like lift the barbell and, you know, use the arms or, and I'm just like, wait a minute, which, where are we supposed to even go? Yes. And I just, it's like, oh. that, that's a profound statement, Aaron. I love that too. And I, I think that we, as, as providers and coaches tend to overcoach people right. as well. So one of my favorite things to do is I always, I always lead by demonstration first. I give right. people that visual of what it is that I expect, but I also give them starting point A mm-hmm. and end point B. Right. I don't tell them how to get from point A to point B. Yeah. So that's when the magic occurs. Like right. the brain that has to learn and I encourage them to fail. Right. Like I'm putting it out there like you may do something, does it feel right? You may fall flat on your face, that's okay. We're going to learn from it. Like, I, f- I feel like we try to overcorrect and overcue somebody into doing something perfectly. Mm-hmm. When, when we do that, it doesn't, it doesn't solidify. Like the right. brain doesn't take it seriously enough because it's too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from having to fail, learning and then actually learning from that mistake. Yeah. It takes me as a, as someone being coached, it takes me out of my power when mm-hmm. that occurs. When someone yeah. in the middle of a workout, they're like, do this. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm, my heart rate is 180 beats per minute. I'm barely <laughs> yes. getting oxygen in. And you're asking me to, you know, change the way I'm doing something. I'm like, mm-hmm. can we do this in warm up next time? Right. No, right. but it's like, I'm being over, being overcoached. And I have to think too much where I'd really just want to move. Right? Exactly. And it's the same thing with me. Like I, I'm, um, I've gotten away from the barbell recently and I'm really trying to learn how to uh, control every single range of motion in my joint to their fullest extent. Mm. And, and that means I'm working towards some middle splits some forward backward splits some one arm chin ups, some straddles and presses and pancakes to handstands and some actual handstand practice. But the, yeah. the cool part about that is that it is about exploring movement, exploring how your body is in reacting to the stimulus and the forces that you're placing on it. Like now I can hold a handstand for like 20 seconds, mm-hmm. but before I was like kicking up and undershooting, kicking up and overshooting. And guess what happened? Yeah, you're going to freaking fall down. It's going to hurt sometimes. Right. But your body starts to figure out that balance point. It's like a pendulum swinging, right? Mm-hmm. Going back and forth, back and forth. So it finally lands in the middle. And I think that's like, as far as like highlighting a practice philosophy is how I now use all this remote coaching and stuff too, is because, you know, I, I see somebody move. I watch what they're good at, what they're naturally good at. And the way that their body likes to respond to coaching cues and to a stimulus and to different patterns. And then I have them explore and discover other movements that they're not necessarily used to. And the cool part about that is, is the more that they practice it with consistency and frequency of this exploration practice, now what they're doing is exposing their body and their brain to a whole other end of the spectrum of what they're good at. And now they have more capacity to handle new movement. And eventually that pendulum's going to swing back and forth and they're going to find a new set point. Mm-hmm a new balance set point. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's honestly, Aaron, it's like a light bulb moment. Right. Like this shit doesn't happen overnight. Like a lot of times I, I actually have contracts now. So I have 12 week contracts with people mm-hmm. because we know it's how long it's going to take to see and have a meaningful change and the dedication and the commitment and the time investment into seeing that, that change um, move forward. Wow. That's awesome. So is it pretty much anyone that works with you? They work with you for three months or is it, is it like, Hey, even if they're not, hurt they just want to like get stronger yeah no i got i got plenty of those as well i've got some athletes from all over the world um, that i work with and they're all 12-week coaching containers Mm -hmm. i call them and those are the ones who i invest a lot of time with like i write personalized programming to follow for 12 weeks and within those 12 weeks the like the different price points are based on essentially how many hours 
of my time that we need to reassess. Like you would yeah. reconnect with me every week. You would reconnect with me every two weeks, every three weeks, every four weeks. Like what, what is that process that you want? Like how much handholding essentially do you need? And you'll see a lot of times, like hey, the majority of people come to me from pain issues, mm-hmm. but once we help them modulate that pain and move through that pain experience, like they're hooked. Now they want to be able to help me get, help me get them towards goal X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. or improve their performance in some realm. But then again, there are some people who just want to have my input, my consultation, and I'll do a 90 minute to two hour deep dive with the expectation that there's nothing more after that. We're just kind of having this coaching container. You're asking me questions. We're bouncing right. ideas back and forth off each other. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you keep people from going, oh, Matt, you know, well, I'm out of pain now. It's been four weeks, you know, but you said 12. Like, are you pre-framing something before or what part of that, what kind of conversation are you having yeah. with them so that they don't say, because there are some people that you touch them two or three times, they don't have any pain. They still might move mm-hmm. like shit. But, mm-hmm. and they might not be even at their goals, but pain was their goal. Like, how do you get around that? We had that conversation from the get-go. Yeah. That's part of, so the way my process works is somebody contacts me and they tell me a little bit about what's been going on and what their goals are and what they want to see moving forward. I then will have them, I'll send them an email with a list of different movements that I want to see. And then what they do is record them with different angles, upload them to a Google Drive, and I analyze them. And then we jump on an hour long or a 90 minute long Zoom call like this, and we go over what I found. And within that conversation, we are talking about, hey, like I've got no problem getting you out of pain in like two to three weeks, Mm -hmm. if you're doing the work. Like I know it's gonna happen. And after that time point, like we've got these videos now as a baseline of your movement. So it's not just about the pain. Like if you plot pain and function on a graph, like we're going to see pain go down mm-hmm. and function is going to improve, but it's a waveform, right? It's not a linear line. So there may be days where you are in no pain that you're moving like shit. And there might be other days where you've got more pain that you're moving really, really well. So what I want to see is those lines progress mm-hmm. over time, but it's going to be like a roller coaster ride along the way. And then, Hey, at the end of 12 weeks, if you're satisfied with your movement and where it's at right now, and I say, Hey, that looks, that looks adequate then go ahead and do your thing and yeah. move on to whatever type of movement practice you want to want to go for. That's awesome. Cool, man. Well, um, before we run out of time, I got, I got a couple other questions for you. And I think yeah. one of the ways we reconnected was, uh, was you responded to, or we both responded to the same post on Instagram recently. Mm. And then I reposted it because I was like, I got to share this. And it, 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 it got the ire of one or two people and got the attention of a whole lot of people. And it was basically, where I said, you know, physical therapy is not telehealth because someone else had said physical therapy is not telehealth. You physical, and it was like telehealth isn't worse. It was something like saying, basically saying that we can't provide physical therapy through and saying telehealth isn't a way to help people. And what I was saying was physical therapy is not telehealth because physical therapy is so much more than telehealth, exactly. than movement, than touch, than et cetera. So I want to know like, what was, what, what, what does physical therapy mean to you? And, and why was that something that got your attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we fell a lot right along the same lines with that as well, didn't we? Like that kind of struck a chord <laughs> with both of us. And it's, it's only because like I've been writing this course now for the, the past two years and I, I kind of see these statements come out like that. Like this isn't physical therapy or that's not physical therapy. And then it's kind of, it like rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Because like these people to me are kind of those living those dinosaurs living in that old dogmatic realm, and it comes back to the Bruce Lee quote 
uh, you need to empty your cup, right? Like if your cup's already full, you're not gonna be able to take in new information. So I feel like these people, their cup is so full that they're just not even open to hearing any other uh, perspective or any other other school of thought. So like to me, physical therapy is more than just the hands-on stuff. I guess it has an integral component, but it's the framework is laid by the foundation of communication, which we've already talked at depth with. Mm-hmm. But then it, it comes into being able to understand movement, understand that person in front of you and incorporate these other things of like being able to screen somebody out with medical red flags and using manual therapy to modulate pain symptoms, but then being able to take what you're seeing, critically think about it and put that into a program that then empowers the individual in front of you and gives them the responsibility and control back over their body. Right. Right. We shouldn't have to put our hands on somebody to fix somebody. They're going to fix themselves. They just got to trust in us to be able to guide them along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing, it, the thing that really bothers me is like, I keep seeing these statements and it's like, when I got into PT 10 years ago, I was like, I'm going to do what these guys say. And mm-hmm. it wasn't what I needed and it didn't work. And it was like, not the new way. And I'm like, why do we keep doing it? And there's, I just believe that so many people get stuck in thinking we're only one thing and that's our problem and why no one knows strength coaches gym owners, yoga teachers, no one knows that, that what we do because we're stuck. We get stuck and we we're can't define our- Right. Right. And we put, we, we label ourselves with these silos. Like mm-hmm. think about that. And it's because of all of these, I think it's like these different continuing education courses that you see out there. It's like people are either relating, like I'm a McKenzie practitioner or I'm a Maitland guy or I'm a dry needler or I'm a manipulator or I do soft tissue and body work. Well, all those things, like I said, have a place, but do you actually know how to integrate right. them all? And that's why we have such like a marketing problem as a profession is because we have way too many freaking labels out there of what it is that we do and it confuses the hell out of people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So what do you think it is that we do or what should we do to make mm-hmm. sure people understand exactly when, how we can help them? Dude, and, and, and this... <laughs> And I'm not saying this because of the bias of what my uh, branding is, but I truly believe that everything that we do, whether helping somebody move through a pain experience or accomplish any type of performance goal or move better, it's all rooted in movement. Mm -hmm. And that movement is an acronym for movement, vitality, mindset, nutrition, and training. Like it all has a role to play. And it, it really does encompass the full spectrum of what it is that we do as physical therapists. Wow. That's powerful, man. That's awesome. Well, Matt, is uh, there anything else that like, maybe I didn't ask you a question about, or you think people listening um, should know? No, no, dude, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with all that. I think we had a great conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, man, I really appreciate your, uh, you being here and, and being willing to chat and what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to find out more about what you're yeah. doing and what you're up to. Of course, uh, the best way is through my Instagram handle right now at Rooted in Movement, and that's R-O-O-T-E-D and then capital M-V-M-N-T is the acronym at the end. And my website is currently under construction, so that's kind of built out uh, right now. So Instagram is the best way, or my email address is matt at zanisphysicaltherapy.com. Awesome, man. Well, that's so great. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you being here and uh, sharing your, your thoughts and experiences with us. So, hey, all, this is Aaron LeBauer and Matt Zanis uh, with the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. You know, dude, keep on moving, move every day, <laughs> and just keep on going and keep taking it step by step and rocking and rolling. Make this profession something that everyone knows 
what we do because we ask the right questions and we move we move people, we move ourselves. That's all I can move say. the energy. Move the energy. Move it move back and energy. forth. Yep. Touch it. Get it. Go get <laughs> it. All right. Feel it. Accept it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, Matt. Appreciate you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Aaron. This was fun. Yep. See y'all on the next show. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.